Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. We got a great show planned for you. DMs, they'll be popping later in the show. So if you got a DM for us, that means you got a question, something you want answered, something's on your mind, something you want us to talk about, maybe even something you want us to circle back and drop deeper into. Put all those beautiful, lovely questions, ideas, and opinions in our uh, DMs on our Loveline at G page. That's where all that uh, magic goes. We're going to be talking about hookup culture. It's going to be uh, opening up with some stats and then talking about how to survive hookup culture. That's right. Mental health intact. Why? Because there's nothing wrong with casual sex. It is part of the normative dating process. Sex isn't bad. What's bad is the way people maybe treat each other or they have false and problematic expectations. But uh, sex is a beautiful, healthy thing for us. So we're going to be opening the first hour just talking about a few stats or whatnot. And then later in the show, we'll be talking about some other ways to kind of survive and conceptualize it. And when I mean survive, I just mean really get through that process with your uh, mental health and emotional health intact. Um, I talk about this on the show often, which is technological advancements and developments. They happen. Um, Some of them have happened through the world of dating and sexuality. And sometimes it's been the inverse where it's happened in the non-sexual, non-relational world. But of course, sex and relationships find a way to be also further innovated as a result of technological advancements. And I think that's an awesome thing. They kind of feed into each other. Um, We're relational creatures. You know, we're always in relationality, symbolically and literally, even when we're not with people, when we're literally in solitude, we are still thinking about um, and connected to just because they're not physically present or able to be touched or seen doesn't mean that we're not, again, still thinking about them, considering them um, and still very much connected. What does all that mean? Every song's about relationships and sexuality, every movie, every book, you know, even as I said, I'm watching a movie that's about someone saving the planet for, from a, you know, Manhattan sized asteroid coming to blow us all up. And of course, love is the center point within all of that. Uh, it makes us do some wild, wild, wild things. We did an entire show on what what love actually really looks like. So tonight we're talking about though sexuality. Um, front end commentary. There's a diff- there's so many different entry points into different people's lives, 
And uh, this is just one of those different ways. Um, you know, there's so many articles and stats floating around on this topic. And the first one I want to just call out is that uh, we are not having more partners than we necessarily did in the past, which is shocking to some people because they're like, all of these apps, blah, blah, blah. It's an epidemic. People aren't having relationships anymore. Well, hookups are a form of relationality, 100%. Um, and I want us to see them as such, even if you're not going to exchange numbers, become partners or spend more time together, we still should be seeing it as relational as it is. Um, sorry, my mind wandered. I'm thinking about a possible article I was going to maybe reference, but I'm going to come back to that another time. Um, so we're not having more partners than we were in the past, even though a lot of people are panicked about that. Um, what's happening is people are talking more confidently about sexuality. So more people are getting tested, uh, more people are talking confidently about it. So we're hearing more about it, but you know, one of the stats, I think I shared this, excuse me, I think I shared this on another show, um, related to a different topic, but in some of the work I've done with some of these companies, uh, the stats were showing that most people are not actually meeting or hooking up that about 70% of the people are just on there looking or chatting or trying, but nothing really happens. And that's a really important stat. Only about 30%, maybe 25 to 30% are actually meeting up and actually having some form of sexuality occur. So um, it's it's not as rampant as people think. And even if it was, that wouldn't be a bad thing necessarily. But we want to look at the stats and understand that it's not what we think it is. It's a lot of loneliness. It's a lot of people maybe just wanting to connect and be seen. And I think that that's an important thing to remember is we often misunderstand um, what some of what some of our drives are really requiring. Um, sometimes all we want is intimacy. We're not actually looking for sexuality eroticism. Sometimes we just want to be touched. Sometimes we just want to feel desirable. Sometimes we want to spend time with someone. Sometimes we want to be seen and looked at and cared for. And we don't always have access to that. Why? Well, because we have such powerful boundaries around platonicness. I, I do want to live in a world where we can have touch with our friends. I don't agree with what people call emotional cheating often. A lot of people think that you're not allowed to have deep friendships or intimacy or vulnerability with your non-romantic partners, but that is part of friendship. Otherwise, what are you doing? Keeping it super superficial? I also want to be able to cuddle with our friends and hold hands with our friends. I think that would be amazing. We have the highest rate of singledom. People still have needs for touch and intimacy, and we should be able to get that met without sexuality or romance. Platonicness should be able to include cuddling, handholding. I'm all for that. That shouldn't have to necessarily be built into a monogamous primary relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. We have to stop being so threatened by that. Uh, the intention does matter. The goal does matter. But we need to normalize some of that. We are a very touch-starved culture. We are very much deprived of those deeper forms of intimacy that engagement affords us. Um, all right, we're going to come back and keep talking about this. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right y'all we are back and we're talking about hookup culture because it is misunderstood it is pathologized it is shamed people say things like well you're not serious about a relationship you have intimacy issues you're a sex addict no nope none of the above it is okay for us to want to just have sexuality in our lives, but maybe we are not looking for a primary partnership, or maybe we already have it and we're looking for creativity and diversity outside of it. There is no such thing as sex addiction. Yes, people have misunderstanding around their sexuality and they have maybe poor impulse control and boundaries and the suffering and pain is real, but the current model is problematic. We've talked about that on another show, but having a lot of time and energy and space and looking for a lot of intimacy does not make you an addict. And wanting sex that doesn't involve all of these toxicities sometimes around relationality and romance and monogamy does not mean that you are phobic of intimacy. In fact, it might be the opposite, that you're just wanting a lot of it, but you don't want that structure which robs the joy of it. I'm not opposed to anything relationally if, if a healthy adult is making that decision. But understand that the minute some of us, most of us enter into primary relationality or monogamy, we, we start letting our anxiety and jealousy make decisions. And we don't run our relationships in, in, in a position of looking out for each other and in a position of trying to expand and grow and transform. We often run our relationships from a point of not wanting to ever be made uncomfortable or to ever feel threatened. And it sucks the freaking joy and life out of love and romance. It sucks it right out. We need to allow more freedom. I will always agree that the way we approach our friendships is how we should approach our primary partnerships, letting go and lightening up. Remember, I say this every episode and I will continue to. We should make people's lives better for being brought into them. If us being in someone's life as their partner or anything else makes their life harder or worse, we need to check ourselves and maybe remove ourselves and do some work and some healing. You are not marrying people and dating them and being brought into their life to restrict and limit and to make it harder. 
And that is why some people don't even want to step into all of that. They don't want that toxic ownership model and jealousy model applied to them. We need to start being better and dating better and, and running things better so that people aren't afraid of relationality. But back to hookup culture, there's nothing wrong with it. Most people are out there trying to explore and learn and grow. Not everyone has to want relationship. But people are not having as much sex as we think they are. And people on these apps are primarily not actually hooking up. We ha um, the, we have the, Right now, current generations are having fewer partners than Gen Xers did. And a lot of this is also about fluidity and leading to friendships. What? Sex can lead to love and friendship? Yes, 100%. Because these are different entry points into relationality and being a part of someone's life. And sometimes we figure out on the front end that the physical, sexual, romantic chemistry and compatibility is there. And then we segue into exploring the other levels. You can start wherever you want. You have to explore all of them. There is no right place to start. Remember, I'll say this all the time. A coffee date, you can only learn so much. You don't learn that much, actually. You learn their favorite color, their family history, where they like to travel on vacation. Great. Awesome. But through sexuality, we learn about their body confidence, their traumas, their triggers, communication, boundaries, how much intimacy they want or can tolerate. If we have those physical, emotional, affectional levels of compatibility and chemistry, it's an important thing to explore. People that are serious about primary relationality and commitment and even monogamy will explore that sooner than later because they know that that's an important part of it. Otherwise, you find out on the back end and you might make each other miserable realizing it isn't what you thought. Because just because you have a lot in common and you really are attracted to each other, enjoy each other, does not mean that you will have romantic or sexual chemistry or compatibility. They are two separate processes, which is why we know that there are people that are romantic versus sexual in their orientation. You have a romantic orientation, which the gender choice that you like to have romantic relationships, which, which is separate from, at times, what you are sexually and erotically oriented towards. We know that those are two different processes that for many people are very aligned, but they can also be separate. Now, here's where it gets really, really clunky. Hookup culture, just like sexuality in general, is very gendered. Those that are penis owners tend to fare far better within hookup culture than other anatomy-based individuals. What does that mean? It means that we know that females or vagina owners that have sex with the same gender tend to have orgasms more frequently and consistently than the opposite when they're with an opposite gendered partner. We will talk about that later. We'll talk about how to fix that. But I want to also call that out that the impact on different gender expressions within hookup culture is very diverse. Um, now, when I talk about surviving, what I really mean is the mental health part, meaning not having your expectations wrong, not having yourself disappointed, understanding what's possible. Um, and we're gonna really, really break that part down because again, these shouldn't be things that we enter that harm us. Excuse me. Now it's also gendered because we used to think and still think that it is people that are male that really are guiding and seeking this, but that is not true. Women are not reluctant participants. <laughs> the studies are showing that more and more women are interested in casual encounters. Why? Well, because of things like less slut-shaming, uh, more female empowerment, body empowerment, sexual empowerment, women 
earning more and being more rooted in a career which builds confidence, um, all sorts of amazing things. So women are propelling hookup culture. Um, and we also know from a lot of the research that women at the more elite universities are actually choosing hookups because they see relationships as too demanding and potentially too distracting from their current professional and educational goals. And they're saying, I want sexuality. I want to feel desirable. I want to have fun. I want to have romance. But right now they're saying while in school, I'm focusing on my education and my career. And I will figure out relationality after that, but I want to have some fun in the meantime. So women are really leading that charge. And I love seeing that. Um, so women in their sexual prime, as we deem it in their twenties and thirties, um, are more successful <laughs> than a lot of the single men around them. And, um, this is impacting a lot of, you know, reprioritization of goals. It's shifting where in the past it was really presented as a women should only care about and only did about marriage and kids and all of that. And now they have other goals and other dreams and other interests. And they're delaying all of that. If even stepping into that, I like people having more choice and more liberation, uh, coming up next though, we're going to keep talking about hookup culture later in the show. We talk about ways to navigate it better. So stick around. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're breaking down hookup culture and we're looking at, we were talking about how it's gendered, how we used to think it was men that were propelling it and men that were centering themselves. Now we're seeing that it's women um, and that women from actually the more elite universities are the ones that are primarily choosing hookups because they're focusing on their education and their careers. And they're like, hey, I don't need to be weighed down by all the drama and relationships, which I think is really about the fact that we don't know how to be good partners and that's why people are kind of turned off by it. So it's not that relationships have to get in the way, healthy ones would be actually supportive and encouraging, but the way we run them is quite problematic. So a lot of women are saying, look, I'm just going to hook up, get my sexual, you know, affectional needs met. And uh, no longer are we saying that women's only goal in life is marriage and families in a home. Thank God. And women are like, I want a career. Maybe I'll have kids and a family down the road, if even at all. Or maybe I'll just date casually. I mean, we're, we're, we're really expanding on our boundaries. Before we thought that the only options were single or married. Now we know that you don't have to get married. You can have a kid on your own. You can have a kid with a friend. You can have an open relationship. You can be polyamorous. There's so many different ways of expressing love and relationships. And these ways have always somewhat existed. They're just now more normalized and there's more research behind them. People can work with therapists and better understand all this. But the show isn't about that. We're just kind of talking about a hookup culture. And um, excuse me, I'm thinking about what I want to say before I get into the discussion about how to survive it. I guess one final kind of comment I do want to make uh, in, in, in reference to a lot of the pathologizing that happens with people that are on uh, sex and dating apps and that are, you know, having, you know, multiple partners, there's this idea that um, they have more STDs and STIs. And uh, it's actually quite the opposite that a lot of people that are sexually active are more aware of their sexual health and they're getting more tests. And those tests, of course, then are showing maybe higher rates of positives, but that's because more people are getting tested, not because more people are getting STDs and STIs because of hookup culture. So let me say that one more time. The reason why some stats are showing higher rates of STD and STI positives is because more people are finally getting tested and talking about it, not because hookup culture has led to that. It's because more people are actually knowing their status. That's the shift. That's a good thing. Um, and also one more thing to add to that, to those that are knocking the apps as gross or problematic, 
know that those that are hooking up more on the apps are also hooking up more off of them. Those are just people that are more sexual and they're more sexual online and offline. So it's not about just the apps. It's just how that person moves through the world. More power to you. If you have the time and energy to have a lot of sex partners, awesome. There's no magic right number. There's no number that if you exceed it, you become a sex addict. Just like with you know alcoholism, no one says, how many drinks do you have? Oh, that not enough, not an alcoholic. No, it's the, it's the way it impacts you, whether or not it's a problem. Um, so it's not about what you're doing. It's really how you're doing it. And also for those that maybe think, oh, you know, it's a problem. These, you know, relationships that are forming online don't maybe have the strength or stability of those that meet in real time. Well, again, it doesn't matter where you meet a partner, how you meet them or where you meet them doesn't determine the health of the relationship. If you met someone online or if you met someone during a hookup or if you met someone during an orgy, none of those things determine the quality or health or sustainability of your relationship. You know what does? The partners in it and how healthy they are. So it doesn't matter how you met your significant other, whether on an app, in a back alley, at the gym, through your mom, at church, or in an orgy, it matters. The health of the people matter. So remember that. Internet dating and, and hookup culture it can be a positive because many people meet through a hookup and realize, I like you. You're pretty cool. The chemistry's there. Let's get coffee. Let's exchange numbers. Let's hang out. It's just a different entry point. So I want to I want to normalize that. There is an increase in socialization around this. Some people have made found their husbands or their best friends through that world. Um, so if you're really looking to be out in the world more and you want to learn about yourself and you want to better understand your sexuality and you really do want to find a partner, that might be an access point for you or not. And that is okay as well. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. But I will always say whatever you determine to be the right way for you and whatever you determine to be the wrong way, at least be psychologically mature enough to ask yourself why and how you came to that choice. Is that born out of empowerment or is that born out of anxiety and shame? Because any decision or boundary you set out of your anxiety and shame and fear isn't a healthy one. You want to make it from a place of, I've looked at all the different options. I've looked at why I might cho choose those things. And I determine that this is the right reason. This is the right decision for me. And here's why that has more meaning and value to me. So really process that. Always ask yourself, why am I choosing what I'm choosing? And why am I moving away from what I'm moving away from? Um, okay. Coming up next, we're going to be uh, talking about, we're going to be doing some DMS and then we're going to come back and we're going to keep talking about hookup culture. And because here's the thing, remember, we're looking at the impact any process we're a part of has on us. And if it doesn't have a positive or enhancing quality or consequence to it, well, then we're, we're kind of making some changes. Um, we're being more mindful. We're looking at why we're making the choices we're making. And sexuality is often something that people really don't dive into as a way to learn about themselves and as a way to look at their mental health and their boundaries and their traumas. But it's, it can be such a healing site for all that. So uh, we're going to come back and talk about that. But again, DMs next. If you got a DM for us, that's a question, a topic, something you want us to hit, circle back to. Drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, reshare, re-listen all sorts of good stuff. Stick around though. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around y'all. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This next DM is uh, something I get asked a lot of questions about. I think I'm going to do an entire show on it, but I'll give you guys a little bit of the bullet points. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, I'm in a relationship. We've been together for about five years. Ah, congratulations. That's a long time. 
However, our sex, life, and passion have started to wax and wane. I know we're not doomed, but are there any tips you have for how we can keep sex and passion alive? I love this question because I think it's something that we all can relate to. And if we can't, it is something we might at some point, because no matter how much we love someone, no matter how much we are attracted to them, we have to expect different events in our lives, our mood, relational stuff, job stresses, illnesses, medications, all those things are going to shift our relationship to our bodies. Um, all that's going to shift our sex lives. But there are a few things that I always recommend to keep things intact and in place. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, first, you got to prioritize it. <laughs> and that's what you're doing by asking that question. You're already inherently saying this is important. We want to work on this. Um, you also have to make sure that you're both open to initiating. Sometimes that's all that's needed is we over rely on one partner to initiate. Sometimes it's gendered. We think the male or masculine partner has to be the one initiating. Nope. It's for all of us to do. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care what your mask or femininity is about. Um, we all have to be willing to act on our uh, arousal. And that's the other piece. Start tracking your arousal. A lot of people don't notice when they're turned on and they wait for a big dramatic expression of arousal or they wait for their partner to initiate. Um, so start tracking moments throughout the day when you're feeling turned on because we really want to work on spontaneity, letting arousal build in our bodies, recognizing it as such, and then doing something with it. And if our partner's home, we can start to kind of bring it to them. And if they're not, we can maybe start foreplay by sending them text messages or pictures and kind of getting the ball rolling, building up that excitement. Um, also, if you're ever cuddling or touching, we want to start pushing on what I call the edges of possibility. There's just this edge where we have the potentiality of going further, pushing further along, but sometimes we just back off of it. You know, we're maybe cuddling and we start to notice a little arousal in our body and we, that edge of possibility is there where we maybe think, let my hand wander with consent. Let me kiss my partner. Um, and that's a big choice point. And I want us to lean into pushing a little bit further, push on that edge, the edges of possibility. Also, it's about creating newness and novelty. And that can happen with the smallest tweaks, just changing the smallest element. I'm actually going to do a whole segment on this. So uh, I'll go deeper into these points, but I'm kind of giving you the, the brief answer. But push uh, push on your, norm, your normal edges by creating new novel things, doing things differently at different times in different places, different parts of our body, starting, starting sex differently, ending sex differently. Um, also, if you're out in the world and you're turned on, bring that sexual energy home to your partner. That's another really important tool, uh, letting it build and bringing it to our partner. Um, also, we want to work on creating the conditions for our arousal to occur. And that's about really understanding what you need to feel sexy. Uh, what do you need to wear? What process do you need to go through? Um, what, what, what tends to kind of turn you on and get you in the mood? Really learning about our sexual selves. Um, and then, of course, if your partner makes a sexual attempt to connect and you're not in the mood, offer something that's receptive. You just don't want to be a hard line to know. You want to say, let's cuddle instead. Let's hold hands. Let's just talk. Let's maybe make out. Let's have sex later. But you want to do something so that they don't feel shut down or shut out. Offer something. Also, push on the boundaries as to what parts of your body you allow to have touch. That's part of that you know, spontaneity. That's part of that um, pushing on the edges. And then finally, Make sure you're focusing more on fun. It's not about making sure we're having penetration or orgasms or using our genitals. It's about just really building on, um, build, building, building more intimacy, fun, and not getting so hung up on a goal. 
We don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to have one targeted goal as our as our, as what we're working on. I remind my patients that all the time. We're not working on penetration. We're working on sex, and sex is a broad umbrella term that includes a lot of things. And we have to be open to seeing all of those things as legitimate forms of sexuality and eroticism. We can't always think of it in terms of penetration and orgasm and genitals. That's a really reductive um, elementary version. All right, y'all, you got a question for us? Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Uh, questions, topics, things you want us to cover. Love to hear from you. And um, we are channelq.com. That's where you want to go to check out past episodes of the show. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. You know, stick around, though. We got a lot more for you. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about how to survive in hookup culture. Um, it's a natural, necessary part of life. Why? Well, remember, we do have sexual, relational, developmental milestones to go through. Sexuality is not natural. People are like, oh, sex is natural. No, it's not. It is so culturally created and socially created. What we consider sex, what we don't consider sex, how we feel about it, what we do, what we don't do. It's tied to our gender and our class and our race and what's normal, what's not. It, there's nothing normal about it. Like I've said on the show before, most of us are not actually even having authentic sexuality because we are afraid of being seen as a sex addict or being seen as a slut or because we're a mom we won't do certain things and because we're a hetero or a man we won't do certain things and all of these sh levels of shame and whatnot get in the way and so we do want to go through developmental milestones sex is something we learn about through practice there's nothing wrong with that the more sex you have the more confident you will be in your sexual body with your sexuality with others and that's why, you know, when we're younger, we have our genital prime, which is when our genitals are going to do their best for procreation. Who cares about that unless you're trying to have a baby? But the rest of us who aren't or don't or whatever, we're worrying about our sexual prime, not our genital prime, our sexual prime, which should increase as we age because we get more familiar with who we are, what we want, how to ask for things. Um, so that's an important part of it. Now, remember, we always want to do everything ethically. So part of surviving hookup culture is looking at how things impact us and also how they impact our sexual partners. And so we do want to take that into consideration. And that's part of that survival piece is how do I feel about what I'm participating in? And that's when we bring in Dr. D's favorite before, during, and after. How do I feel before? How do I feel during? And how do I feel after? The sex act, sex with that partner, and in general. Um, when I'm on my way over or when I'm imagining them coming over, checking in on how I feel. During, is this what I want? Does this feel good? Do I need to stop? Do I need to ask for something to be different? And then how do I feel afterwards? Is it that I have to work through my own sex shame? Is it something that came up because of my partner choice or because of the kind of sex we're having or what we're having? Those are what you want to check in as part of that because thriving in hookup culture is about not letting this negatively not letting this negatively impact you not having sex or sex with partners that shame you make you feel bad make you not feel desirable in fact it should be the opposite we should be asking for what we want practicing asking for what we want practicing saying no practicing saying i've changed my mind practicing i've always wanted to try that's the beautiful part of this so really lean into that that's a really really important part of surviving hookup culture is really considering the mental health aspect of it. Making sure it's ethical, but again, making sure it has a positive impact on us. And if not, it might be what you're doing, it might be who you're doing it with, or it might be your own frame of reference that you're applying. Are you shaming yourself? Are you listening to messages from family members and friends saying that it's not okay to have sex outside of a healthy relationship? You can have, you're allowed to have anonymous sex. You're allowed to have non-relational sex. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. That is not what the problem is. The problem is when we're doing things we're not comfortable doing when we're allowing our boundaries to be pushed, when we're not checking in with ourselves. The best time to have sex is when you feel like you want to have sex. 
And that's part of thriving in hookup culture is understanding what's possible, not having sex because you think you're going to date that person or fall in love. In fact, hookup culture is about being freed from the confines of that. So that's why one of the more important things is always going to be drum roll, checking in on your intentions. Why are you doing this? And really making sure that it's a valid reason. Um, why are you choosing the partners you're choosing? Why are you choosing the kind of sex you want to have? What is your goal? Is your goal to learn and grow? Is your goal diversity and creativity? Is your goal relationship? It doesn't promise anything. It could. It often does maybe lead to more a friendship, a continued friends with benefits you know, relationship, maybe some romance after, but it doesn't promise those things. And I say that to everyone who's going to have sex for the first time. Congratulations. It's your sexual debut. I don't use the word virginity. It's pathologized. It's stigmatized. It's your sexual debut. You're, you're finally entering the sexual realm. Congratulations. Welcome. Stay in it. But you don't enter it or have sex for the first time because you think it'll be forever or you think it'll be for love because that's rarely the case. Most people will have multiple sex partners throughout the duration of their life. That's a good thing. More experience, more pleasure, more fun, um, more boundaries, more communication. There's nothing wrong with that. But get your intentions in check. Understand why. Um, then another part of thriving is being willing and confident talking about sexual health and wellness practices. You are not mature enough or ready to have sex if you're not able to ask another person, when's the last time you were tested for STDs or STIs? Is there anything I need to be aware of? And also able to talk about all the different sexual protective mechanisms. So do your research, understand what's possible, understand what's out there, understand what prep is, understand what condoms are, understand which ones are more effective and for what. But again, more importantly, know what you need, but also make sure you're able to ask these other partners. And if you're actively participating in hookup culture, you should be getting an STD test, depending on how active you are, at least every six months. But it really depends on how many partners you're having and what kind of safer sex practices you're employing and bringing in. All of that's an important part of it. Uh, when we come back, we're going to keep talking about ways to thrive in hookup culture because it doesn't have to be something that leaves us feeling worse off, more lonely, more depressed. It should be something that brings joy, is enhancing, makes us feel better about ourselves, makes us have more hope, more desirability. Um, and they'll be closing out with some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our love line at GPH questions, topics, things you want us to hit, things you want us to cover, and past episodes of the show. Always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for love line, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff over there. And uh, check out maybe some of the other shows while you're there. But uh, stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Rachel, we are back and uh, talking about how to survive in hookup culture. What? I know it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to make us feel better about ourselves, our bodies, our sexuality, sex with others. Not negative. Check in on that. What do you need to change? The way you're going about it, the expectations you have, the people, the things you're doing, all that matters. Also, know your STD, STI status. You have to be getting tested. And also, you have to be willing to ask others, when's the last time you got tested? What were the results? And you have to understand sexual health and wellness practices. What kind of protective mechanisms are you taking? Are they taking? It's adult conversations. You have to be able to talk about these things. The next thing we have to consider is people's feelings, ours and others. We are not doing this to harm others. People are in our care when we're socializing with them, relating to them, having sex with them. I don't care if it's a one-time fling. I don't care if it's a hookup. I don't care if it's with, you know, as I always say, in a back alley, you can't see their face. You don't need to know their name. You'll never see them again. You still have to have care and respect. You do 
want to make sure you're not negatively impacting anyone. And that's why it's always about consent and compassion. But in hookup culture, sometimes we let ourselves off the hook ethically by saying it's a friends with benefits or it's a hookup or it's a trick or it's just an app. Don't take it seriously. Or it's just a fling. Oh my God, we are impacted. We do move forward in the world, feeling better, worse off about ourselves. Same thing for the partner, whether we realize it or not, it reinforces or it undoes a message we might have about the safety of others, how we feel about sex, how we feel about our bodies, all that matters. And that's why I'm telling you, be thoughtful about the impact it's having, but also care about your partners. It doesn't mean you're going to marry them or be in a relationship with them, but you can still check in and offer care. Um, that's an important part of it. Knowing, and that means knowing boundaries, your boundaries and their boundaries. And if someone seems like they're not doing well or not really feeling in the moment, check in on them. Maybe you've crossed a boundary. Maybe they allowed a boundary to be crossed. So ask them about that. It's okay to say, how's this feeling? Are you enjoying yourself? That's also what a good sex partner does anyway. How does that feel? What's on your mind? What are you thinking about? What do you want me to do? We ask these questions. Um, it's a really, 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 really important part of it is reminding yourself that there's another human being there. Um, because a lot of times what can happen in hookup culture is some people enter it really from a one down position in a position of people pleasing where they're letting the other person run it based on what they want. And maybe that's your thing. Maybe you're submissive and you're all about, Hey, whatever's hot for you is what I want, but maybe you're not. And someone's wanting something that you're not down for interested in. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say some of that, but I need to make some changes because your pleasure matters too. In fact, it's your responsibility to ask for what you want and to focus on your pleasure and to make request. Hey, more of that, less of that, do that more, do that harder. That is on you. And so make sure you are vocalizing, speaking up, vocalizing, saying yes, saying no, all of that is really, really, really important. And so that's why part of thriving in hookup culture is being able to set boundaries. But first you have to know what your boundaries might be, which is why sex is a developmental process. You're learning where your work is. You're learning what's hard for you. You're learning what's easy for you. You're learning how to actually speak in these terms. This is some part of us that's never mirrored otherwise. And yet we're somehow supposed to be able to manage and navigate it confidently, but yet we never get a chance to practice. And, and then if we are, because we're out there dating and hooking up and learning about ourselves, learning about sex, sometimes we then get slut shamed where people are like, oh, she's loose, she's easy. No, she's confident and she's exploring and she's figuring out and she's learning and she's going through developmental milestones. Let's stop shaming people for having more sex than we're comfortable with. Because remember, when you call someone slutty, you're actually talking about yourself. What you're really saying is I'm uncomfortable with the amount of sex that this person's having. And instead of dealing with my discomfort and maybe just keeping my mouth closed, I'm trying to project it onto them and shame them. I want them to stop having that kind of sex because I'm uncomfortable and I don't know how to regulate myself or be more sex positive. So I'm going to put a pathological label on what they're doing. No, we're not doing that anymore. We're not doing that to ourselves. As long as you're having ethical sex, that is in service of what you want, you're not harming yourself, you're asking the questions you need to ask, and it's centered in pleasure and fun, all is well. Some people have a higher sex drive. Some people have more free time. Some people have more energy, but there's nothing wrong with that. Is there a darker side to it? Yeah, and that's what today's topic is about. Don't have sex to make someone happy. Don't have sex so as to not lose a relationship. Don't have sex to be popular. Don't have sex to be liked. Don't have sex because you don't know what else to offer someone. None of that is mental health centered. Have sex because you are aware of what's happening, because you know what you want because you want fun and pleasure, because you want to connect and then level of intimacy with this person. Those are the more viable, rational reasons, but we're not slut shaming. Um, because 
Practice is where we learn. This is how we better understand who we are within these contexts. And this isn't something that we're innately born with, which is why people that are all about abstinence only and waiting until sex, until marriage, those people tend to have higher rates of STDs, STIs, teen pregnancy, assaults, because they don't know how to set boundaries. They don't know how to communicate in these terms. They don't know what forms of protection are available. They don't have the confidence to get tested or ask someone when they were. There's a elementariness and a naivety because they haven't gone through the developmental milestones of relationality and sexuality, which is a learned process. And like we talk about all the time, sex ed doesn't train you that. All they say is don't get pregnant, don't get sick, here's how you protect yourself. And it's like, well, what about asking for what feels good? What about sexual communication? What about identifying where in our body we wanna be touched or not touched? That's all practice. Um, When we come back, we're gonna keep talking about um, how to survive in hookup culture, which is really just about better sex education. It's really about sexual empowerment. It's really about sex positivity. It's really about using sex to grow and enhance ourselves as opposed to the opposite. Because we live in a culture that's very phobic, very negative, always shaming it. And we tend to see it as only acceptable when in a committed relationship, which is how the bulk of us are actually not doing it. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not what's happening generally in our culture. So stick around for that and then we'll be closing out with some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to. Past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, reshare, and listen. Lots of great stuff because there's a lot for us to unlearn, but then we got to relearn. We got to undo and then... Relearn, unlearn to relearn. Um, Repetition is really important for that practice as well. So anyway, stick around. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're just finishing up our discussion on uh, ways to thrive in hookup culture. Why? Because it's not hookup culture that's a problem. It's the way we enter it. It's our intentions. We might go in there expecting more than it offers. It's just about really learning about ourselves, um, exploring our sexuality. Maybe you're not ready for a relationship. Maybe you just came out of one. Maybe you are open to one and you're open to things going further, but really just know what you're looking for and know what's possible. And that's where the boundaries part come in. Um, But also I want to remind people about this aftercare piece. You know, some clients I work with after um, anonymous sex or hookups or hookup culture, they sometimes feel a little empty or depressed afterwards. And that can be because it's a very intimate experience and very connected. And then a lot of people after orgasm, they bounce. It's okay to say, hey, I'm open to this, that, and the other thing. I also would love some aftercare. Can we talk a little bit afterwards? Can we have a cup of coffee? Can we go for a walk? It's not saying I want to marry or be your partner, but it's a really odd transition in and an odd transition out. And I think it does a disservice where it's like, door open, come on in, you hook up and then they leave. Yeah, that's going to be a hard transition out of that relational intimate moment. And I think we need to honor and move our way in slower, move our way out slower. I think it's okay to ask for aftercare, some form of connection afterwards. It doesn't have to be ongoing, um, but I think that that's an important part of it. And I also want to remind everyone, as I keep holding us accountable to the way we impact ourselves and others, that we're moving into a beautiful time of more creativity and diversity around sexual orientation and sexual expression and gender. And so make no assumptions about people's bodies. We do want to ask questions. What are they interested in? What are the, vo- what are the words they use for their different body parts? Um, with people being um, non-binary and people being trans, we can't make assumptions about the kind of sex they'll want or even, again, the terms they'll use for their anatomy. So we have to ask those questions. 
What pronoun, pronouns do they use? What body parts do they like engage? What are the words they use for their body parts? What might be potential triggers? We want to know that. We want to offer that. But we also want to be asking people that along with their sexual health practices and STI, STI and STD status. We want to also understand that some people's gender expression might be, they might have a penis, but not refer to it as such. They might have a vagina, but not refer to it as such. Some people uh, prefer to call their vagina the front hole versus the back hole. Uh, some people don't use the word uh, clitoris or penis. They have other terms or they're interchangeable. So we do want to ask that. Um, and also remember that we want to um, have a sense of care. That's what that is about. I think it's also important to not expect people to have certain safer sex practices. I want that to be discussed ahead of time, but you never know. So maybe you want to roll in with your own lube, your own condoms, um, things like that. Um, I also think it's important in today's culture with technology that you maybe let someone know where you're going. I think it can be unsafe to just show up at a stranger's house or have a stranger come over. I also offer that as a protective mechanism for clients of mine that are sex workers or friends that are sex workers. Have that friend that will know why you're texting them and won't ask any questions or shame you. And you can send them whatever information you have, the address you're going to, maybe you can drop your pin. You can maybe have a location service. You can send a name or a photo, whatever you have saying, this is where I'm going. Um, letting someone know where you are. And then finally, I would say we want to make sure we're checking in with our intuition. If something doesn't feel good or feel right, practice being able to say no, or I'm going to leave now, or let's call it a night, or that isn't something that feels good. And then that ties into uh, the idea of being thoughtful about your drug and alcohol use. It's very easy for us to not be able to honor our own boundaries or the boundaries of someone else if we're heavily intoxicated, especially if we have anxiety or shame about stepping into the hookup. So we want to make sure we're focusing on pleasure. It's supposed to be fun for them and for us. So keep checking in on that. But if you're getting too intoxicated, call it a night. Um, I, would, I would advise not necessarily involving a lot of that, but that can be in there. But again, we're not there trying to make someone happier to please someone. This is about us as well. So we want to keep checking in with ourselves. I want us to uh, come out of these kinds of dynamics feeling good and intact, not more harm. So know what your limits are, know what your triggers are, know what you're in there looking for, know what it is you don't want and be prepared to ask for that. Everyone enters sex and relationships with a different history and a different set of knowledge and a different level of comfort and confidence and familiarity. And so we're kind of learning about ourselves, but we're also learning about other people. Um, and then a final thing I would just throw in there is um, we never know how we're going to feel upon arrival. And so it's okay to say what we're talking about sounds good, but I wanted to see what the chemistry is and let chemistry dictate and be willing to disappoint or let someone down. If upon arrival, you realize this isn't what I wanted, this isn't what I thought, or what I thought I might be interested has shifted or changed. That in fact is part of healthy sexuality, co-creating it with someone based on how you feel that day. There should always be a little bit of shift in us based on our relationship to ourselves, our mood, what else is going on. So just allow for that, be open to that. Um, and that's that. That's how we thrive. You know, drop in the DMs some thoughts about that. I'd love to know what y'all think. But um, coming up next, we're going to be DMing. So if you've got a question for us, topic you want us to hit, something you want us to drop deeper into, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Love hearing from y'all. And past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff because it's all about the repetition and the practice. Um, like I always say, lot to unlearn. Got to learn some new norms, values, and perspectives. So um, don't go anywhere, though. We'll be back, and we're going to drop in those DMs, helping you as we're helping other people. 
Um, so don't just be a taker. You know, if you're a loyal listener, put some of your own questions in there. All right, y'all stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. So don't go anywhere. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. You got a question for us? Drop it in there. Topic you want us to hit? Drop it in there. Something you want us to circle back and drop deeper into? Guess what? Drop it in there. That's the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Um, you know, we want to hook you up and help you out while you're helping yourself out with some answers, helping out other people. As you know, it's always confidential and anonymous. Any questions you got, drop them in there. Um, all right, this one. <laughs> this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, me and my partner have been getting along, though we've had rough times in the past. We work really hard on making sure we're always kind and soft with each other, but I still notice that we're having difficulty when we bump up against conflict. See, conflict's an important moment, and I like that this question inherently is highlighting that piece because we're going to get into disagreements. It's how we manage it that matters. Again, the goal isn't the absence of conflict and disagreement. It's managing it better so that it doesn't wound us. It doesn't harm us. It doesn't separate us. We have to be collaborators and on the same team. So when conflict emerges, you really should be focusing on how do we resolve this? What's the true need? Uh, being solution focused. And the solution has to always be mutually beneficial. Otherwise, it's not the right solution. No one should have to lose. In healthy relationships, we don't think in terms of winning or losing. We think in terms of care for each other. <clears throat> So I'm not gonna read the rest of your question because that's where your question goes. <laughs> um, your question further goes on to say, what are some of the tips and tricks that we need to think of so as to make sure that we are actually bonding during times of conflict? Um, and I think that's a question that everyone should be asking because at some point in our lives, we're gonna be up against stress, uh, feeling like we don't have the capacity internally to deal with what's happening externally. Uh, we're gonna feel very overwhelmed, not at our best. And that's why, again, I would say, you know, as you're getting into a conflict or argument, pay attention to the person you're talking to because how they're de what they're showing tells you how well you're doing. Do they look distressed? Do they look scared? Do they look anxious? Then you're not doing so well. They're the barometer. It's kind of like, how do you know if you're a good driver? You pay attention to how safe the passenger feels and comfortable. That's the barometer. 
So remember that, watch them. You, you should want them feeling like comfortable and safe as though they're cared for. That's the relational stance. We're always trying to do things relationally, which honor that there's a human being on the receiving end, a human being that we care for. And even if we don't care for them, it's still a person and they're still worthy of that respect. Um, so always track and pay attention to the person you're talking to. That's the answer. And remember that it's not a battle or a competition. It's not about winning. But again, in our American culture, we are very much about competition. You know, again, it's rooted in neoliberal capitalism where we're threatened by everything, worry about ourselves only, toxic individualism. We're trying to get away from that, right? I was saying that a lot during a pandemic. I was saying you are responsible for your neighbors and your community and your state and your country and the world. Like these are all different arbitrary boundaries, but we really want a, a higher level of collective care. That should be the new ethic. But again, don't worry about whether or not you're fighting and having conflict. That's natural and expected. It's how you manage that. And more importantly, how does it resolve? That would be the first question I'd ask a couple. How do your fights end? And I'd want them to say, well, maybe we're not in agreement, but we, we feel cared for. We're able to still go to dinner. Great. That's what I want to hear, that they're, it's managed and run in a way we can still go to dinner. And the stats show us over and over that how you start determines how it goes. Come in at a zero. And if you're not able to start at a zero, go do some regulatory stuff to get yourself down to a zero. Don't start conversations hot. Don't come in at a seven. Otherwise, we're going to end up at like a 15. Come in at a zero. That makes everyone feel safe and cared for. It gives you the best chance to really have this go smoothly. You know, um, it's all about self-regulation. <laughs> so much comes down to that. Uh, knowing ourselves, knowing our triggers, being able to regulate, having a relational mindset, uh, not thinking competitively. And just like I said, having an ethic of care for those around you and how you influence them. Um, so practice it, acknowledge where you aren't at your best and all the things I just talked about. And really work on that and start small. Start with the easier people, the easier conflicts. Apply this and then you kind of build your, you know, build your muscles, build your way up, your emotional muscles, your emotional IQ, your emotional intelligence. Um, all right, y'all, that is that. If you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes, because you want to go check out those past episodes so you can really build in that repetition. That's over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it, but you should check out some of the other shows that are there. We're trying to do some really powerful, empowering, inclusive work. Um, but yeah, drop some questions in there because I know you all are wondering about something. Um, spend the rest of the night focusing on kindness towards yourself and those around you. We're dropping the bar a little bit, focusing more time on pleasure and leisure and self-care. We're not trying to burn out, y'all. Thanks for joining me, though. We'll be back tomorrow night, so uh, join me then. As always, thanks for hanging out, and y'all enjoy the rest of your night. Good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 